You're listening to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Leah Walton. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. Thank you for joining us as we talk with the people and learn more about the work being done here at NTSB. Welcome to episode 41 of Behind the Scene at NTSB. Today, Leah and I are a mix of feelings. We are excited yet also feel a little bittersweet as we prepare um, to talk with Chairman Sumwalt for his final interview, we'll call it, with uh, Behind the Scene at NTSB. Um, And we also have Nick Worrell, who is the um, Division Chief for our NTSB's um, Safety Advocacy Division, joining us today. Thank you guys for joining us, Chairman Sumwalt. I also am having some mixed feelings about this interview, but um, also I think just a a good feeling because I really enjoy interviewing you on the podcast and um, always enjoy what you have to share with us. And Nick, welcome back. Uh, You were on a previous episode with us and today you are serving as a guest co-host. So thanks for joining us. Thanks thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. And as you all say, I'm bittersweet for me in terms of having this conversation about the chairman leaving us. So Chairman Sumal, we've interviewed you a few times, like I said, on the podcast over the years. Our newer listeners can find your detailed background and journey to the NTSB on episode one. And you also shared some other NTSB experiences on episode 19 and episode 33. But today we're going to be interviewing you for the last time as you are going to be departing the agency on June 30th. Uh, So today we're going to take the opportunity to reflect with you and your time at the NTSB. But just for a refresher, since we do it with all of our other guests, can you give us a very brief overview of how and when you arrived at the NTSB? Leah, Stephanie, Nick, uh, good to be with you all. It's, uh, it is sad to think this might be the last time that we all are together. But uh, I'll tell you, being at the NTSB has been a great run. Uh, it's been a run, um, a sprint at times, other times just a marathon. But mm-hmm. uh, I tell you, I'm really going to miss it here. Um, Fifteen years uh Almost a quarter of my life has been spent with you all here at the NTSB family. Wow. Can you give us just a brief overview of uh, what brought you to the board 15 years ago? Yeah, I had always been uh, very, very interested uh, in in accident investigation. I had uh, participated in some accidents uh, as a party member with the NTSB uh, over the years. And um, in uh, August of 05. A friend of mine suggested that I really should try to become a board member. It was had been a secret dream of mine, and uh, apparently he he read my secrets or something. And uh, <laughs> when when he suggested that I try for it, it was exactly one year and two days in the making. It was on August wow. the eighteenth of '05 that that Captain Bill Week suggested to me that I try for it. And on August twenty first of one year later is when I climbed the, uh, the escalator steps uh, coming up the metro to be sworn in as the 37th board member of the NTSB. Wow. Chairman, if you would, can you take us back to that first day in 2006 when you uh, walked into the door as a board member of NTSB? I certainly do remember it, Stephanie, and I say climbing the the steps to the metro. I doubt I climbed them because it's a pretty good uh, hike up from the metro. But I do clearly, I did tell myself to capture that moment uh, in my my mind, thinking 
wow, slow down and think about this. This has been a long time in making. Um, You need to really take it all in. You're about to be sworn in as a board member and appointed as vice chairman of the NTSB. So uh, I I remember that that day very well. Wow, wow, that's that's amazing. And Chairman, you have created a lot and made a lot of memories in the 15 years that you have been here. And I remember some of my memorable moments speaking with you and and traveling with you, et cetera. But what were some of the most memorable, uh, impactful experience that you have had here at the agency? There really are so many, and it's hard to, to narrow it down. But I think that, honestly, one of my best memories will be working with the people, working with the with with our staff, all of you included. Um, uh, it's uh, I will deeply miss seeing you all. Um, we have a great staff. Our staff is very motivated. They're uh, willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done and do it safely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll miss seeing you all. Um, going out on accident launches. I've been out on a total of 36 accident scenes, um, one of which was my training accident seven days after I started the board, uh, 35 where I served as a board member on scene, Um, you know, testifying to Congress. I think I testified uh, to Congress on 17 occasions and and board meetings. I always um, enjoyed the challenge of getting ready for a board meeting and sometimes I would not sleep well the night before board meeting, wake up at three in the morning or something like that, and finally get up and just get dressed and come into the office. Um, but I always, that's really why we are here, is to deliberate accidents and come up with a probable cause and recommendations that can improve safety. So um, I, I don't know how many board meetings um, I've been in. I haven't counted, but uh, I think it's over 200. So it was always uh always interesting to get ready for those board meetings and to participate in them. Chairman, is there any investigation um, or recommendations from an investigation that stand out during your tenure of of um, times when you really thought, like, this is really going to have a significant impact on safety? Yeah, there, there have been there have been several, but one that really stands out, Stephanie, is the Colgan Air crash. And as you'll recall, this was a a, a regional airliner that was going into Buffalo in February of two thousand and nine. It crashed uh, while on approach uh, to the airport, uh, claimed fifty lives. 49 of the aircraft occupants, occupants, all of the occupants of the airplane, and, and it claimed the life of one man who was uh, in his home when the airplane crashed into it. Colgan Air was truly a watershed event uh, in aviation. It changed the way, uh, as a result of that accident, Congress and NTSB made several recommendations. I think there were about 25 recommendations that we issued, and then Congress took most of those recommendations and inculcated them into the airline, into the FAA Reauthorization Act. Uh, I think it's known as Public Law 111-216 that, um, yeah, just to pull a name out of the hat or a number out of the hat, uh, it, it fundamentally changed the way that, um, that pilots are selected for employment with airlines, uh, the way that pilots are, are trained, how they maintain proficiency. Uh, it even, uh, um, 
got the FAA to uh, formulate a new set of regulations to deal with flight and duty time limitations. So, um, so it really was a watershed event uh, in the aviation arena. Sure. And on that, so your background, as as our previous, as our listeners probably uh, know, that you were an airline pilot. How did that How did that feel for you to kind of watch the airline industry like literally change um, as a result of this work and and some some recommendations that that you were involved in? Yeah, very gratifying uh, because you know it's amazing. Um, unfortunately, there has been one passenger fatality uh, since then on a U.S. scheduled carrier, uh, but the airline industry went nine years. And six billion, that's billion with a B, six billion passengers carried uh, in between the Colgan Air in February of 2009 and the event where a lady was partially ejected from an airplane and lost her life in, in April of 2018. So I think that, that the, the, the safety record right there shows that... Uh, that things have changed and changed for the better. Absolutely. Right. So, Chairman, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what, if anything, um, has really surprised you in your role as a board member and as chairman? Gosh, that's a great question. And uh, somebody asked me that just yesterday. Um, Fortunately, um, there have not been any major surprises. I was fairly familiar with the operation of the NTSB for, for several reasons. Uh, back um, a number of years ago, I interviewed a, a board member, John, Dr. John Lauber, when he was a board member. Um, and so I had, had written an article about him. I had followed him around, attended a board meeting with him. And then about six or eight months later, I attended the two-week NTSB Accident Investigation School, uh, yeah. and so I so I fairly well knew how the operation worked, and then I had been a party to an NTSB investigation, probably two or three NTSB investigations, I guess. So I f- I think I fairly well knew how the operation went. Mm-hmm. Um, so no major surprises, fortunately. Probably a little bit of a learning curve as you went from just aviation into suddenly all the modes, though. There's no doubt about that. You're, you're exactly right. My, my pipeline uh, knowledge has, uh, has increased a good bit. <laughs> Chairman, how did, how did your role from, um, from being a board member to then being appointed as, a, as chairman change? It, it certainly did change. And uh, when I was a board member, and bear in mind that as, a, as the chairman, uh, when it comes to the board itself, the five-member board, uh, I, am ju- I am just one among equals who happens to, to chair the board meetings. So, but, so that's my board member responsibility. But when it comes to being the chairman, I'm also the chief executive officer of the agency. So before, when I was just, uh, I say just a board member, but when that was my sole responsibility, uh, I could spend 100% of my time on prepping for board meetings, reading accident reports, uh, reviewing opinions and orders, uh, which are legal opinions and orders that we deal with, uh, advocacy, uh, I think one the year before I became chairman, I believe I made something like 46 or 48 
uh, presentations in, in that year. Wow. Um, once I became chairman, I realized that uh, my role had to change. I, I had to spend the time, devote time to, to literally being the CEO of the agency. And so I really cut back significantly on my speaking engagements. Uh, I hated to do that because I love getting out and, uh, and seeing people and pushing for the safety things that we want. But uh, really, my role did change fundamentally to where what I spent 100% of my time on, now I was having to, um, in theory, spend less time doing I, I still had to get those things done, like prepping for board meetings, but most of my time then became dealing with administrative uh, sure. issues and uh, meeting with my direct reports and uh, things like that. Fortunately, we've got a great managing director and her team, and they, they have done a wonderful job of, of running the day-to-day operations of the agency. Mm-hmm. Chairman, what would you say to someone that out there that would be interested in becoming a board member at NTSB down the road. Someone like that's sitting where you were 15 years ago, allowing to uh, work for NTSB. Yeah, it's, uh, I tell you, it's a long process um, and it's a very invasive process. I've now been through it four, on four occasions to be nominated by the President of the United States and confirmed by the Senate. It's very invasive. Uh, there will be a an FBI background investigation. Um, they're, they're going to ask a lot of questions and ask a lot of people about you. So um, um, I guess my advice would be good luck. Chairman, <laughs> <laughs> you also share your funny story of your first time on scene many, many years before you became a board member um, as as a teenage Robert Sumwalt. Is there any advice you would give him uh, <laughs> looking back saying like, you know what, this is all fun, you know, getting onto this, uh, getting to where you are right now. But, you know, what should you really be doing to prepare yourself for board member Sumwalt? Yeah, so, um, so yes, as a 17-year-old, I, I learned that there was a plane crash uh, close to the local airport. So I, I told myself uh, um, when, when the coroner arrived, uh, I tucked in close to him and told myself, uh, just act like you know what you're doing. And actually, that's a pretty good lesson for life right there. So. <laughs> But but in today's world, I would not recognize, I would not recommend that anybody show up on an accident uh, scene unless they actually need to be there. Otherwise, they might find themselves on the wrong side of the law. But uh, anyway. When you were appointed chairman, one of the first things that you did was evaluate the agency's core values. And um, just on a personal level, um, I was involved in that project. It's one of my fondest, um, fondest experiences at the board. And Nick was... Um, appointed as the kind of the um, the project lead on that. And so we both kind of really uh, have great memories of that. But um, why was that an important first step for you? And how would you describe um, the organizational culture of the NTSB and what the core values really kind of did um, as you began your chairmanship? I thought that was such an important uh, thing to do is that the values really guide you. And by the way, you and Nick and the rest of the team did a wonderful job spearheading that. We, we had values that had been established um, several years earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I had observed is it didn't appear that we were promoting those values. Uh, I'm sure we were living them, uh, but they just weren't well promoted. 
And, mm-hmm. and I, I do believe that values can, they do guide you, they lead you, they make sure that you are doing the right things. And so uh, I, that bothered me that, um, that well, I felt, I felt we needed to do more in that respect. Uh, when I swear in a new employee, which I have the pleasure of doing on Mondays, Monday mornings, uh, I, when we were not in a COVID situation, we'd sit down in my office and I'd talk to them for a few minutes and I would talk about the values. We still do that virtually uh, mm-hmm. when I swear them in. But basically, I feel like it, when you've got a decision to make, uh, if you're really wrestling with that decision, look at it through the filter of the values. And if what you're about to do is consistent with those values, then you're probably okay. But if it falls outside of those values, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. And so, um, so that was, you're right. That was literally the first thing I, I did um, mm-hmm. in April of 2017 was go around and meet, meet with each of the offices and, and talk about our values and also look for areas that we could as an agency where we could, uh, where we could improve. It really was a, a really interesting uh, experience for me. I was a newer employee. I think I had not even been at the agency for a year. And it gave me an opportunity, first of all, to meet a lot of the staff, um, but then also really listen to them in terms of what, you know, what core values they felt uh, were embodying the agency. And I was so amazed at how consistent mm-hmm. all of the all of the adjectives were um, doing the exercise in terms of exploring what they felt uh led the agency. You're right. And what I thought was really interesting is what you all as a group, and by the way, you did a great job facilitating those meetings, Leah. Thank you. What I thought was really interesting is that the values that you all brought back to me were very, very similar to the values that we had previously. Uh, it's just that they they weren't widely promoted within the agency beforehand. And now we we have a have them framed in our conference rooms uh, and other places throughout the agency. And, and, and we really do want uh, to live those values. And as I've often said, it's, um, um, I'd say probably most every organization has values. And what I think separates the NTSB apart from other organizations is that we really make a concerted effort to try to live those values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I remember when you asked me to uh, take on that task, it was a bit nerve-wracking <laughs> when you asked me to. <laughs> Nick, that was the best thing I did in the four years that I was chairman, is, uh, <laughs> is appoint you to, uh, to, to, to lead that effort. I mean, you, I just stayed out of your way, which is a great leadership lesson that I've hopefully learned maybe, uh, is, is just, just give somebody a job and stay out of their way. And you did a great job pulling it, to, pulling it all together. But let's, take, let's go back a, a little bit. Uh, if you were to talk to Robert Sumwalt in uh, 2006, what advice would you give him today? Well, hopefully I've learned a lot over those years. Um, I would say... Pick your battles. Uh, that's probably one lesson that I'm not sure I fully, fully uh, comprehended throughout my tenure. But uh, moving forward, uh, that that's uh, that's one that I can think of. Chairman, you um, mentioned the Colgan investigation, and then ha- that there had been a significant um, period of time in in the a- commercial aviation where we did not experience um, a, fata- a fatality or a crash with a fatality. Um, 
talking about lessons learned, is there any lessons learned that come to mind from from the aviation community that really could be applied to a broader level across all transportation or even one of the other other modes? I certainly do think that, and uh, and and that is the airlines have done an excellent job of managing safety. Um, they they call it they they put it under the umbrella of something that that's that's called safety management system. Um, I like to look at it as uh, is that they are actively managing safety. They're they're assessing their the the risk associated with what they're doing. They're keeping their finger on the pulse of what's going on through flight data monitoring programs. Um, and I think by doing that, by by being proactive and saying, uh, oh gosh, look, we have a hazard here, or we're about to go into this new airport, what might be the problems going in there? Uh, and that way they can mitigate those uh, those problems. If you understand those, those risks going into it, then you can control those risks um, to the best that you can. Sometimes I find that that people or organizations just sort of blindly accept risk, and and I don't think that's the the best way to do it. I think it's best to be to understand what the hazards are, assess the risk associated with those hazards, and for those that are higher than you are comfortable with, um, do something with, uh, manage the risk. For sure. Chairman, your chairmanship uh, could be considered historical in a few ways, or I, I instead of could be, it it is, I would say, considered historical in a few ways. Um, you led the agency through the longest government shutdown in history, and you also led the agency now and are continuing to lead the agency through a global pandemic. Um, you are a student of leadership, as Nicholas just mentioned a little bit ago, and I know that you and Nick talk about leadership um, here and there, but what would you say are some leadership lessons that you learned through your journey and what leadership principles did you really rely on to keep you focused, especially through these really big, challenging times? Well, let me let me give credit where credit is due. Um, Sharon Bryson, our managing director and and her leadership team, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, have done an extraordinary job leading the agency through these through these crises. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon was just the manager, the acting managing director when we had the have the when we had the five weeks of government shutdown. Our previous uh, managing director, Dennis Jones, had retired at the end of December, mm-hmm. and uh, and so uh, the, the shutdown began. I think December the twenty second and lasted mm-hmm. for as mentioned, five weeks. And Sharon, Sharon stepped up to the plate and did a great job of leading. But to your question, what leadership lessons have I learned and tried to practice? Um, I think there's one in particular, and that is take care of your people, your employees. If, if you do that and provide a safe working environment, and when I say safe, I mean safe emotionally and safe physically. If you do that, I think everything else sort of falls into place. Mm -hmm. And you've done a great job, um, you know, keeping uh, living the value of transparency, Um, holding a lot of uh, meetings, all hands, um, video chats with uh, with the agency and taking questions and keeping them all. Um, up to date and informed on, you know, what's going on and what to expect and how, you know, how we will proceed. 
Um, so I just really appreciate how, how engaged and how much outreach you've done with the staff. Well, thank you for saying that. It's been such an honor to, to lead the agency. And, um, and so thank you for, for saying that, Liam. Chairman, talking, thinking about um, just the, the power of words, I know one of your, I think is one of your passion areas is, is you have hosted a lot of um, talks on crisis communication and really how to handle those. Um, just curious if you have a- any advice on, you know, thinking about <laughs> the times that you wish you had said something differently. Why is that? Have, why has that been such an important part of, of your work? I certainly am interested in crisis communications and, um, and, 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 you know, now that you mentioned that there's one particular uh, event that, uh, that ended up above the fold on the front page of the Washington Post when I was talking about our subway system. Mm-hmm. And I, I said that uh, the headline was that WMATA, which is the name of the subway system, we call it Metro, but it's Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority. So WMATA, WMATA has a learning disability, and I said that because they had had so many cases where we had seen the same things in the years earlier, and and they kept having the same problems. And I said they had a learning disability. Well, that offended people. Um, who might have people in their family with learning disabilities. And I did end up writing a a blog to apologize for those words. I certainly did not mean to offend anybody. I do believe that WMATA uh, has failed to learn some of the lessons that they should have learned. So I think that would be one vivid case right there where I certainly um, did not mean to offend anybody, but my words did. So I, I take the responsibility for it. And I I quickly realized that I needed to apologize. Um, Chairman, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that the agency faces moving forward, such as transportation issues of the future? Well, there's certainly, um, you know, the the world is not static. Things are changing very fast. Uh, We've got Mm -hmm. commercial space. Uh, Probably most people don't realize in, in, in a year, there, there are over 30 commercial space launches in this country, uh, and people don't realize that. And, uh, and so we need to be postured to be able to investigate uh, those when, when they occur. Mm-hmm. The autonomous vehicles, that's a huge space right there. And so we need to be postured uh, and ready to be able to uh, to to properly investigate those. And I think we've taken measures over the last few years to make sure that we, we are up to speed on those. But that's, that's how I think the landscape of the board, the agency, will change over the next few years. And if you, I mean, just kind of as a reflection point, when you came in in 2006, um, smartphones didn't exist yet. I think, the first, I think the first iPhone was released in, what, 2007, 2008? And so just that, um, you know, understanding that when you came in as a as a board member, um, you know, we didn't have the the technology that we do have now and only imagining where we'll be in the next 15 years um, with technology. It's crazy to think. Absolutely. So 
we're uh, we're nearing the end of our podcast, but we have a few more questions for you. And this one, these questions, we want to kind of look into the future. So, sitting from your front porch or your back porch or or your beachfront house, wherever <laughs> wherever retirement is going to take you, where do you see the agency in uh, five, ten, or fifteen years from now? Well, I hope. Uh, that the agency will continue to keep the values uh, at the forefront. Now, they, the values might change over time, but if they do, it should be after a great deal of, of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that the agency will continue to improve, and I feel very good about the future of the NTSB. I mean, we've got great people. We've got a great mission, and so I'm not worried about the future of the, of the agency. I want them to continue to do the great work that they've done for the last 54 years, and I think the, I'm pretty confident that, uh, that we've built a great foundation over the years so they can continue that mission. Great. As you know, most of our fatalities are in the highway safety mode, and you have worked in one of those areas, distraction, where you have held roundtables, about three of them, um, that have really impacted that industry, especially the distracted driving front. Uh, anything that you would want to say to the advocates out there, especially in the world, because I know, um, for example, one of the roundtables you did, we had about 40 experts from around the nation to talk about distracted driving, then you held one with all of the survivor advocates, some of the most important people, anything that you would like to say to those groups in, in terms of the work that they're doing? Well, their work is so important because I think that most most people, and unfortunately most drivers don't think twice about picking up the phone and making a phone call while they're driving. Uh, I've heard people say, oh, I, it's okay, I, I, I use Bluetooth. What they fail to realize uh, is the the cognitive distraction is such a prevalent issue um, that you're so busy focusing on the phone call or so emotionally involved in the phone call, mm-hmm. you you get tunnel vision and you don't see things around you. And uh, so I think the work that those advocates are doing uh, is so important. We need to keep the uh, keep the pressure on because I do think that distracted driving is a is a huge issue. And oddly, most people would agree that it's an issue, mm-hmm. but yet most people aren't willing to put those phones down uh, or video games, as we've seen, while yeah. they are attempting to drive. Right. Yes. I, I don't want you to shed a tear on this podcast, but if you do, it's okay. How are you feeling emotionally? Talk to really, um, be, because it, it, I know it's bittersweet for a lot of us and, and, and the folks that have worked closely with it. But emotionally, how are you feeling? Nick, uh, it hasn't really hit me yet. Um, I've been so involved with, um, with things uh, just mechanically going through the actions of packing up my apartment, uh, moving, driving um, a lot of 15 years worth of uh, junk uh, to <laughs> South Carolina, things like that. Now trying to figure out where to put all that junk in, in my house. Um, so really, it hasn't hit me yet. Uh, it, it certainly will when I come back to Washington um, in a few days and start packing up my office and saying goodbye to people. Um, and so now you're making me start to get emotional. But uh, but I think and that's um, OK. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, yeah. Don't get me started, but I, I'm certainly going to miss this agency. It is. Uh, I I love the NTSB and I love the people that work there. So, um, and, and we uh, love you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank yeah. you. 
it's been amazing to see on on social media um you know all of the really great posts of people who have who have worked with you um just sharing their experiences and i think um seeing how consistent the messages are of um of the robert sumwalt that that everyone knows um i think is just a testament to you know the the emphasis that you've put on our core values and then obviously the the values that you live out yourself um it's been great to work with you Stephanie, thank you so much. I, 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 I'm humbled um, by those comments. And uh, I was on a train going to New York City uh, um, right after I announced my, my departure. And of course, on a train, you're, you're wearing a mask. And as I was reading some of these uh, emails, uh, I will tell you that my mask was soaking wet because there mm. were tears just dripping out of my eyes. So uh, I have been humbled just by by reading some of the nice things that our that our employees have um, have said, so thank you. You know, we cannot let you off the hook. And the 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 one question that probably everyone is asking out there is, what's next for Robert Sumwalt? You know, um, what's next for you? What's 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 in the bag of tricks? <laughs> you know, I'm strange that you mentioned that because I'm asking myself the same question. Um, <laughs> what I really uh, plan to do is uh, is take a little bit of time off. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's been a marathon. Uh, there have been sprints during the marathon. So mm-hmm. I look forward to just taking a little bit of time off and catching my breath, uh, spending some time with family, maybe even now that the world is opening them up, opening up, uh, maybe doing a little bit of traveling. Um, but um, I'm not sure what's after that. I hope to be able to continue to make contributions. Uh, that's what I'd certainly like to do and add, add value in some form or fashion to helping to improve transportation safety. Well, uh, Chairman, we are we are getting to the end now of our of our podcast, and that makes me um, that makes me a little emotional because again, um, it has been such a pleasure to have you um, at the helm of the NTSB. Uh, I want to offer you any final remarks, any final words that you want to share with our podcast audience um, and the NTSB family uh, before we close out. Yeah, and that's one that uh, how can I say that in just a a second or so, a few few seconds. Um, I truly have... uh, I truly will miss the NTSB. I, I do love the agency. It's an agency that ever since I was in college, I had a secret dream of wanting to work for. And now I have lived that dream and uh, I'm going to miss it. Um, I, I'll, I'll miss the, as I've said, I've, I'll miss the people. Uh, we do have a, a great family at the NTSB. I mean, just like any family, yes, there might be uh, some disagreements. Uh, certainly, we have disagreements sure. within my family, but at the end of the day, we all care for each other, and we're pulling for the same thing. I, I want to really um, call out two people in particular, and, and one would be Sharon Bryson uh, mm-hmm. for for leading the day to day operations of the agency, and I want to thank. Sean Dalton, who this month marks uh, 12 years of working with me. Sean has served as, uh, as my special assistant, and for the last four years, he's been the executive officer of the agency, basically the chief of staff. Um, so uh, anybody that can work very closely with me for 12 years, I mean, like being my right hand, um, deserves a medal, Sean. I don't have a medal for you, but uh, but uh, but anyway. Uh, 
I, I tell you, if I had to say anything in, uh, in, in ramping it up, I'd say uh, be well, be safe, be happy, and may God bless America. Well, thank you so much. It is truly, uh, like I said, a huge pleasure to work with you, and we will miss you dearly. I do hope that, you know, when when and if you come up to Washington, D.C. during your retirement, that you swing by the office to say hi sometimes. I'm sure we will hear about you um, and, and your good messaging and, and leadership lessons uh, in the future. I want to thank uh, Nicholas for joining us as our co-host today and Stephanie from uh, my, my trusty co-host for this podcast, Always Enjoyable. And thank you, James Anderson, for being a producer that always makes us sound incredible. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, we will miss you and we wish you the best as you go on to the next chapter. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. We will talk to you at the next episode. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye.